Well, hello there. Welcome to Biblical Chili. Now listen, the cruise is just about to start. Let me fill you in on a few details if you've never been here before. You see, we speak openly about the Bible and our daily walk with Christ. And it's our continuing prayer that we help you grow closer to Jesus every day. Now, you might be wondering why it's called Biblical Chili. You see, around this table, we have people from all walks of life, different histories, backgrounds, different futures, even different religious views. But even with all these differences, that shouldn't hinder us from carrying on a conversation. And you stepped in at a good time, too, because the Chili Crew is walking through the Bible from cover to cover. And right now, they're in the book of Exodus. Moses talking to a burning bush, plagues, Exodus out of slavery, and the Ten Commandments. Woo! This gives me the collie while I was just thinking about it. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He looks at his hand and says, A staff. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and said, Crikey, look at this little bugger. (laughs) So Moses reached out his hand and took hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Why did he take it by the tail? Because I think, wasn't it God that said? God told Moses? And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Because the other end bites. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Moses ran from it. So this God, is what I'm saying. God's like, probably saying this in like a coaxing manner. Come, just grab its tail. Just grab its tail. Just grab its honey, tail. It's honey, okay. just grab the tail. It'll be okay. Just kind of pushing them. Come on. <laughs> quit. quit. Stop being a little boy. Knock I, it off. <laughs> I, pi- I picture this. What is he? He's 80 years old now. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. An 80-year-old 80 man years, screaming years like a girl. And <laughs> for the hills. Moses, come back. Back. <laughs> okay. Wait. What, what kind of snake do you think it was? A live one, and that was enough for <laughs> Moses. <laughs> well, in this area, you actually had the black king cobra. I was gonna say it was. You do have cobras. Yeah. This, this would have been, you know, close to Egypt. So. Then the Lord said, "Put your hand inside your cloak." So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his skin was leprous, and it had become as white as snow. I can picture Moses now looking at his hand, going. Ah! <laughs> Crikey, did the snake bite me, mate? Like, he's going through these signs that God's saying, this is you, gonna what's going to prove to you. Do you think he's also doing this now so that Moses believes too? Like, I was just going to say, well, no, God hasn't given him a lot of preamble of what's going to happen. He just kind of like di- does these miracles. You know what I mean? It's not like he says, okay, now I'm going to turn this into this. I'm going to make your hand leprous. You know, he there's nothing here. It's just... Okay, now put your hand in your bosom. And, and now you'll find out what he does later. But I'm right. just saying, there's no preamble. There's no preparation here. So, uh, verse 7. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And he sighed. Whew, thank heavens. 
Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in past nor since have you spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, here, I've always been confused about this. Is he talking about, he was raised in the Egyptian courts, or, you know, within that 40 years at some point, his first 40 years of his life before he, he murdered that guy and got and had to run away. Uh, you find that in, in the earlier chapters. Is he talking about when he says, I'm not eloquent of speech, or I'm not, I'm, I'm not a good talker? I've heard so many people say, well, he, he had a stutter, or he had this, or, or he had a speech impediment. Was he more talking about the language, the Egyptian language? I think that's what he was talking about more. I, the reason I believe that is because he's not in Egypt right now. Right. He's in Midian, which means for the last 40 years, he has been speaking a language that is not Egyptian or Hebrew for that matter. So I'm sure he's probably like, uh, I've been speaking Egyptian in like 40 years, God. I'm not eloquent of speech anymore. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, if you're in the courts, you're not saying, hey, y'all, go get me that over there. No, you're saying, your majesty, may I please have, you know, like, it, it doesn't sound to me like he can't talk. It sounds to me like he's saying, I can't talk like that anymore. I, I, am I off on this? I mean, that's the way I've always read it. And Well, he, he says, I have never been eloquent. Mine does not say that. Neither in the past nor since have you spoken to your servant. Mine says, "Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before sent, not neither before or since." Actually, mine doesn't. Actually, neither before or since you have spoken to your servant. So it it sounds like he's saying, "Since you've talked to me, me neither before or since, but since you've talked to me, I'm not eloquent." Right. I wasn't. I wasn't eloquent before. I don't feel eloquent now. Um, and eloquent is like fluent or persuasive. So he's like, "I'm going to be going to talk to people and." I, I wasn't good back then, and I'm not doing a great job right now either. Mine says, um, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. This kind of feels like I, – I, too, have heard a lot that it's this is this is him having some kind of physical impairment – to his ability to his ability yeah. to to speak but if you take it in the greater context of the scene that you're seeing play out here this feels more like oh okay wait god what about this what if they say this uh okay you've got an answer for that okay but god i can't really talk that well <clears throat> and it's more about the um more about the excuse than actually reaching for a legitimate issues yeah to me it's actually more like the best way that i've been taught this is word jujitsu so in like a debate platform to bring your point across clearly and actual straight to the point or not being as blunt or anything else but being more diplomatic about it it's 
that's the way I feel about it. So you're saying he's he's trying to just say I'm not like politically minded, like I'm not right. I can't speak politician. Right. Okay. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know how to how to view it. You know what I mean? Like I don't know that there's a right answer here. I just I think I, that's I the don't way know. I look at I've it. only I've, ever heard it preached one way, I guess is what I'm saying. And I'm like, I've never took it that way when I read it myself. Because if you actually think about his words in present tongue, it says the fact that he's not or has not been in the right mind to actually speak elegantly or clearly. Okay, that obviously right there, that's intelligence. It's not showing the fact that d d d I, I, I can't get through it. It's just the fact that he's just... Well, I'm either just too blunt, not straight to the point, or it's not fluent enough for you to understand. Maybe it's a mixture of all of them. Right. I would say we're going to find out here soon that he's he's been trying to talk his way out because he's going to get blunt here in a second. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So verse, uh, verse, verse 10. Nope. Sorry. Verse 11. Okay. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, please send someone else. <laughs> okay, hold on, mine says something different. Okay, so it says, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So I like yours better. God, please send somebody else. Verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will keep, I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if it were, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Okay. So that makes a little bit more sense, though. But I, I think Joe may be onto something here with saying that it looks like Moses is, is reaching for excuses. Definitely. It, it definitely seems like that here. And, and God's like, okay, you know what? No, I will tell you what to say. Don't worry about the words. I will give you words. And he's like, well, yeah, you, uh, I, I don't know. About and then, you know, he's still mumbling along and like, I don't know, God, send somebody else. And he's like, fine. You know what? I'll give you someone else to help. What, will you stop whining now? <laughs> I'm going to send you. Aaron. But okay. So hold on though. And I, I don't want to get too deeply back into this but i thought aaron isn't he still a slave in egypt yep he must be but he's coming this way to see him so okay so moses is going to egypt and we know that for in the story so he's god's gonna send him his brother when he gets there it sounds like well it says he's already on his way to meet you so he must be already trying to seek out moses Moses. for, for whatever reason oh so God talked to Aaron, too. Hopefully that conversation went more smoothly. Verse 18. Well, it, it must have because he, he just notated how much better he speaks than Moses does. <laughs> All he said was, okay. I know that he can speak well. <laughs> then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, Go, and I wish you well. 
Why would he say still alive? He knows they're still alive. Or is he talking about like his own family, like his immediate family? Because it's not like it's not it's not as though uh, Pharaoh would have killed two and a half million people because because Goshen is huge right now. It's massive. So like, is he talking about okay? So my, please let me go return to my brethren. So is he talking about his people, or is he talking about his family? Like his immediate. I want to see if mom and dad are still alive. My translation uses the word uh, relatives. Okay, so maybe I, I want to see mom and dad, uncle, aunt, mm-hmm. cousins. Okay. Now the Lord had said to Moses, "I'm going to time out here." What if he had told Jethro the truth? Oh, about about leaving to go to. Yeah, God just told me to go back to Egypt. He just turned a, a, a oh. stick into a snake, and he just turned my hand leprous. But look at it's good now. You know, do you th- magic? Why do you think he's like just like I, I just want to go see my family? Like why don't why do you think he was still not being truthful? I think he lied. I think he was very good at being persuasive because he just convinced his father-in-law that I have to go and and and, and see my family. He's it, he's leaving. Although this could be a writing uh, this could be a writing method though too. Right. It could be something that just you know Moses is telling his own story here. So maybe he just was like yeah I just want to go see my family. You or, know just kind of wrote it off. Or maybe Moses is in life as he was with God. And Jethro's like, you're really leaving? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Maybe we can actually get some efficient work done. Now that you're going (laughs) to tell me all the reasons why you can't do something. Oh. Wow. Ooh. Wait, here, I got it. (laughs) Dang. Oh, man. Just a stab to his character, why don't you? Because he didn't. He didn't fight him. He's like, all right, go ahead. See you later. See you. Bye. <laughs> but then but then he continues. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you were dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hands. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Okay, so we have a couple things here that I would like to bring up. He says, I will harden his heart. Now, this is, this is a very popular verse that those who are hostile towards Scripture bring up. Very hostile towards Scripture. They, they, they like bringing this up, but they're like, aha, see? He was, you know, God hardened his heart, so God is not a God of love. He wanted to kill and, and you know, dist- not kill, I'm sorry. He wanted to destroy Egypt. He wanted to destroy them, and God knew, and God was the one that made him harden his heart. I would like to point out, and I'm not going to ask the question because it's we find out much later the more details in this. I don't think it's God saying I'm the one physically hardening his heart against me. I think it's God saying because of my miracles, it will harden his heart. In other words, God's indirectly hardening his heart because God's saying let my people go. And as we find out later, Pharaoh refuses. 
but it's because of what God's doing that his heart is hardened. Not because God's the one in there saying, I don't want this man to be saved, so I'm pushing him away. Because that would contradict other scripture. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, go ahead. When you look at the structure of each one of those those nine different instances, they all have that same kind of structure to them that you're looking at more of a cause and effect sort of thing. Um, because at first, I, I first when I first read through that, that stuck out to me like, wait a minute, what? That just read weird. And then looking looking at the the original text and and how it's all set up and everything. Um, it just, it makes a lot more sense in the full context to, to see it as cause and effect. You're talking about, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you're talking about because of what God's doing, it's taking Pharaoh off. Yeah. Okay. I think it's preemptive. I think that he's saying I'm going to harden his heart because Throughout this, if there was one miracle performed and Pharaoh said, cool, they're free, all of the rest of the people of Egypt would not know the reason why everyone is free now. It's because of Pharaoh's hardened heart that God ups the ante to reach more people because when they, that's spoiler, but I think that he hardens it out of the gate knowing the, the impact it's going to have because if the first one worked then it wouldn't have affected anybody else uh, I guess I'm saying it this way because my biggest thing is is that God if God is truly trying to save everyone why would he mark this man not to be saved I guess is my my argument because he's the one that that has the power to do whatever he wants to do when Pharaoh, yeah, when the people of Israel left, it wasn't just the people of Israel; it was all the converted Egyptians as well. Right, right, very true. At the at the end of the the right. Exodus, and so had had his heart not been hardened from the beginning to allow everybody to be affected by it, to see that God was the one controlling all of this, they wouldn't have went along with. They wouldn't have been converted. They wouldn't have sought after God. Because Pharaoh would have gave in too easy and it would have lessened the impact, if you will. That may be true, but I still don't think it would be God doing that. Because wouldn't that be God taking away his own free will? Because I think that would be God forcing that decision. Like I've heard this often argued, and, and this is an argument that's out there. Why couldn't God have made Adam and Eve without the ability to sin? Well, then he could not have made Adam and Eve at all. They would have been robots if they would have not been given the ability to not choose God. So if, if, he, if God were to deny Pharaoh the ability to accept him, because this, this would be the other way then. This would be God denying the choice for Pharaoh to accept God if he hardened his heart preemptively um yeah no that just that there's there the assumption is that if that's not if that's not what takes place then all of this stuff doesn't happen but what's to say that if that does take place God can't do something else that I think this looks more like a silver lining sort of situation than like, uh, you know, stepping in and, and influencing a single person to do a very specific thing 
like he's the stooge that has to go down in order for everything else to work out sort of thing. I think that becomes problematic when you start inserting those kinds of things. Verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At the time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to the circumcision. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Moses, well, and this takes explanation because nobody remembers this. these, like, what, three verses that God actually, like, God actually, he sent an angel down and he was like, dude, you're going to die. You are not going out there. Right. And now he stopped him from leaving and going there because Moses was a Hebrew and he had not circumcised his children. Now, if you know anything about circ- if you know anything about the Hebrew culture right now, if Moses would have gone in to Goshen and said, "Ha ha, God has sent me," and his children were not circumcised, dude, they themselves, oh, absolutely. Sully, Sully's doing the slash mark across the throat. They themselves would have killed him and no one would have listened and it would not have gone through because of the culture that time. Now, I know this this sounds like so so nasty and bad and mean and, and disgusting, and it is because this should not have happened. He, his, his son at this point was probably like nine or ten, man. This would have been terrible. But she, she threw his foreskin right at his feet and said, look at what you've done. Look at what you've made me do. Because I'm sure she probably knew about the circumcision. Why didn't you do this ahead of time? Because his it was Moses' duty to do this as as a Hebrew. It, and it's just not that culture during that time. It's probably a little bit leniency, but some cultures still actually see this as an actual thing. Well, he he's a Hebrew, and that's kind of where all this you know circumcision thing started. Because of Abraham, you guys remember that, all that going back in, in Genesis. But the thing is, is he he had been raised, or not raised, let me rephrase that. He came to Midian when he was 40, and he had been hanging out there. He got married to Zipporah, and he had kids, and da-da-da-da, right? So he was disconnected from his own culture for 40 years and had a kid or two. I th- actually, I think he had two sons, but I, I could be wrong. Maybe it was just one son. And, okay, how many of you have seen like movies and stuff, like Charlton Heston about Ten Commandments and Moses and the story, right? Oh, yeah, and the miracles and da-da. no, nobody remembers this because nobody tells this part of the story. It's a very short blip, but there, it's really important that if he would, if God would not have stopped him, none of this would have happened the way that it, that it happened in Scripture. You know, I mean, God would have had to have found somebody else because Moses and his family would not have survived. So now cue the the background music to uh, bring us back in time to verse 27. When the Lord says to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. So this happened before right. the, the burning bush because um, God already said, hey, Aaron's no, already been, on his way to pick Yeah, you it would have been just after the burning bush, but before they took off, I think. Right? Right. Okay. Going to the wilderness to meet Moses. 
So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and was about, <clears throat> and also about all the signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed, wow, they traveled fast. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they had heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Real quick, I'm going to circle back to um, the the miraculous signs that um, that Moses was doing at the burning to bush, me, or at like in front yes, of the elders. In front of the elders. Okay. It would seem like to me it reads in a similar vein to what we see the disciples doing when they're sent out by Jesus to go out and go and perform things. The power comes from them being indwelt, the, it, the indwelling of Holy Spirit. That's where the power comes from to be able to do these things. But it's not so much of a, okay, now God is saying right, right at this particular moment at 2.45 on this day, and then, you know, three o'clock the next day and that kind of thing. It's more of a, hey, here's this you, and, and, and do it. And then he went off and he did it once, you know. It would yeah. seem like it's the same kind of it's the same kind of motif that we see with other examples throughout Scripture of these miraculous signs because we also see that not every single time that it happens is a slam dunk, you know, hit it out of the ballpark sort of sort of situation. We do see times where it's done in a way that was not what it was intended to be, which would mean that humans have the ability to take this thing that they have and use it at almost their own discretion, but in their in a way that that gives the room to be able to mess it up. I will go ahead and end in a word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for this time uh, that we can freely engage in your word. Uh, Father, we'd like to lift up all those who cannot freely engage in your, in your word like this and have these type of discussions. Uh, Lord, please uh, send your Holy Spirit to those who are listening and to those who are reading your word and, and following this, this story, uh, this, uh, these, this wonder that you have uh, for us to understand, better understand your character through this. Uh, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been Justin. This has been Tom. This has been Sully. This has been Joe. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We will talk to you guys next week. Now listen, just because this is the end of the episode doesn't mean it's the end of the conversation. You can find Biblical Chili on almost any social media outlet. Also, each week, Biblical Chili goes live on YouTube. And if you're not a big fan of YouTube, just search for Biblical Chili anywhere and I'm sure you'll be able to find us. Or just go to BiblicalChili.com. We also want to make sure we give a shout out to one of our co-hosts, Joe who's a host on BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Now, until we meet again, remember, be part of the conversation. Goodbye. Do you think they're still listening? I doubt it. There can't be that many people that listened all the way to the end of the track. Most will probably skip it. But in case you did, congratulations. You're one of the few. 
We love you.